Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, so glad you joined us here on this chilly Texas day for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. And we're covering it all from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the frozen panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As calving season is about to begin in the Texas High Plains, some of the mama cows might need some help. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. What can we expect from the Texas Beef Council in the coming year? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. Farm bankruptcies were down in Texas and across the country in 2020. I'm Gary Joyner. We'll take a look at the numbers on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories along with Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The debate over eminent domain laws in Texas picks up once again in this current legislative session. Jessica Domel reports. Texas lawmakers will once again fight for fairness in eminent domain proceedings this session. On Tuesday, State Representative Dwayne Burns, chair of the House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock, said he is optimistic progress will be made this year. I am committed to working with any chair and every member to explain the importance of this issue to rural Texas, to landowners across the state, both urban and rural, and to describe in detail the sweat equity, the blood, sweat, and tears we've all put into this issue to make sure we get it right, get it right for Texas, get it right for the industries, but get it right for landowners. Burns said House Bill 901 picks up where negotiations ended last session with agreements on good faith initial offers and easement terms. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas Beef Council is bringing a taste of Texas to NASCAR this weekend. The Beef Checkoff is sponsoring the Beef It's What's for Dinner 300 on Saturday in Daytona, Florida. Robert Hale, culinary and food service manager for the Texas Beef Council, will be leading a team of Texas chefs in serving beef at the race. We're honored to go represent the state beef councils and especially Texas. We're going to be bringing uh, a few of our fellow chefs um, through the state of Texas. Um, so we're super excited to have them along uh, this journey. We're going to be there cooking for the media members that are covering the race, uh, the Beef It's What's for Dinner 300 and also the Daytona 500 um, on Saturday. Hale says the menu will include braised short ribs and Texas-style pot roast with all the fixings. With calving season about to begin in Texas, some cows may need extra help this year. James Hunt reports from the High Plains. Here in chilly mid-February, we're probably slightly ahead of full-on calving season in our area, but as we talked about yesterday, with grazing land suffering from dry conditions throughout much of the region, getting livestock properly nourished has been an issue. And Texas A&M AgriLife beef cattle specialist Jason Smith says he's spotted some concerning situations here and there. Starting to see some poor-conditioned cows, so cows that were maybe 
a little less ideal in terms of their body condition compared to where we like to see them going into the calving season. And so loss. We haven't gotten far enough into the calving season yet to really see a lot of that. It, it is on my mind, and I think it's something we certainly need to be aware of and, and trying to combat. Dr. Smith says making sure mama cows are in the right body condition as they near the time of giving birth is essential. One of the major factors that influences calf survivability and long-term calf health would be colostrum quantity and quality. And we do know that Late gestation nutrition of the cow has a huge, huge influence on calf health. In evaluating mama cows, Dr. Smith says the more experienced ones should calve at a body condition score of at least a 5 and first calf heifers at a 6. Dr. Smith also encourages ranchers to make sure they have everything they need to provide assistance to their cows if they're called upon to do so and that vaccinations are up to date. Don't underestimate the value of vaccinating pregnant cows. I would encourage you to always read and be familiar with the product label that you're using from any pharmaceutical product standpoint, including vaccines. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Bitterly cold temperatures are settling in across Texas. Oklahoma State University veterinarian Rosalind Biggs says cattle producers need to be prepared to protect their cattle. We've got to stay ahead of it. We've got to be prepared in advance. We've got to have the hay and feed ready. And we've got to be able to, um, sometimes forgotten, unfortunately, it leads us into a lot of problems. Don't forget that water source, too. She says it's all about protecting your investment. Obviously, we've got a lot of investment in our cattle. Farmers and ranchers know that the less stress on an animal leads to the most productivity. These temperatures, particularly on the young and the old, or the thin, if we want to put it in that category too, can be even more severe than it is in those in good condition. Biggs says it's also important to consider wind chills, especially if you're calving. We can't forget that wind factor on these animals and how much colder it gets with that wind and in particular those calves as they hit the ground. They need to be up and dry in short order and folks need to be prepared for that as we look to the next 7 to 10 days. If they're expecting calves, they need to have a place to get them out of the weather. And it's also important that the cow's engine or rumen needs to be kept healthy and running at full capacity to generate body heat. The Texas Beef Council met in Waco this week to discuss the beef industry long-range plan. Jessica Domo visits with the council's new executive director. Today we are joined by Dr. Molly McAdams. She is the executive vice president of the Texas Beef Council. She told us last week that the Beef Council is hard at work right now planning for the future, using the beef industry's long-range plan to focus and direct strategies that promote Texas beef and fund research and education opportunities. McAdams says her goals for the Beef Council include looking at the lessons that they've learned about operating in difficult situations like the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be utilizing some of the technology. We'll be utilizing some of the kind of like efficiency measures for a long time to come. It won't just be us. It'll be all businesses. So I'll be continuing to focus on that, especially with the top leadership team, trying to figure out how we can get better at that. The Texas Beef Council conducts the $1 per head national checkoff program for Texas beef producers. The council is also the contractor for the Beef Promotion Research Council of Texas, which administers the $1 per head Texas state 
Joint Checkoff Program. The Beef Council works throughout the year to improve producer profitability by increasing the demand for Texas beef. I think my experience in business and specifically around food service and retail is going to be beneficial. It's an area of extreme interest to me, and I'm sure that I'll bring a lot to bear in terms of how we strengthen business relationships with retailers and food service operators in Texas. And really the purpose for that, of course, is to amplify our message and provide them with the information that they need to be passionate proponents for beef and to continue being really good partners for the beef industry really through us, but on behalf of ranchers. McAdam said another one of her goals is to share the message about the sustainability of beef. Sustainability appeared as a strategic plank in the beef industry long-range plan. And because my husband and I are ranchers ourselves, I'm deeply interested in the role that Texas Beef Council can play in communicating a positive message that I personally believe is true because I live it every day. But what message can we convey to consumers and to our consumer-facing partners about the sustainability of beef and sustainability of ranching? That was Dr. Molly McAdams, the Executive Vice President for the Texas Beef Council. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farm bankruptcies were down in Texas and across the country in 2020. Gary Joyner takes a look at the numbers. Bankruptcy filings are a sobering economic indicator. They tell part of a larger financial story most of the time. Chapter 12 bankruptcy is often the last option for farmers and ranchers. Chapter 12 farm bankruptcies in 2020 in both the U.S. and in Texas were down compared to the previous year. There were 16 Chapter 12 farm bankruptcies in Texas last year. That's six fewer than 2019. Nationally, there were 552 Chapter 12 family farm and family fishery bankruptcies in 2020. The number is down 43 filings, or 7%, from 2019. Farm bankruptcies were highest in Wisconsin with 39 filings, followed by Kansas with 35 and Nebraska at 32. The overall decrease may not be a concrete sign of economic improvement. While bankruptcies were down from 2019, the 552 filings nationally last year are still the third highest number in the last decade. Several years of low commodity prices, along with natural disasters and flooding, and an ongoing global pandemic all contributed to the financial stress. The overall outlook for Texas agriculture this year is bright. Higher prices in the market are expected thanks to very strong exports. That's encouraging. Officials say it's important that those exports continue and recover in top markets such as Mexico, Canada, Japan, and South Korea. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Volunteers are needed for an effort to clean up Texas bays. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today. And opinions on spaying and neutering pets have changed over the years. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the latest opinions coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
National FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, and FFA students across the country will be sharing their stories. I'm Doster Harper, president of the National FFA Organization, and I'm from the state of Georgia. National FFA Week is a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. And because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, that impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. So when should you spay or neuter your pet? Well, opinions on that have changed over the years. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the latest opinions. Years ago, we recommended spaying all cats prior to their first heat cycle to prevent mammary cancer later in life and to neuter all male cats at six months of age. It was also recommended to not neuter male cats too young as this could lead to urinary tract problems. There was also a concern about the safety of surgery in these young animals less than 12 weeks of age. However, Dr. Philip Bushby from Mississippi State indicates scientific studies have caused opinions on early spay and neutering to change. Studies in recent years have indicated anesthesia is just as safe in cats less than 12 weeks of age as it is over 12 weeks of age. Also, waiting until male cats are older to prevent decreased urethral size and prevent urinary tract obstruction is a myth as studies have shown there is no greater risk in neutering young male cats versus older male cats. Of course, the overall concern about spaying and neutering is to decrease population control, but a secondary concern is to increase life expectancy of the pet. Multiple studies have shown that neutered male cats live an average of 12 years, while intact male cats only live seven and a half years on average. Female cats are similar as female spayed cats live an average of 13 years, while intact female cats' lifespan averages around nine and a half years. Certainly, this is related to multiple factors, including their environment. However, spaying and neutering female and male cats is now recommended at or before five months of age and can be done at shelters as early as eight weeks of age. This eliminates the possibility of mammary cancer in cats, and mammary cancer is the third most common cancer in cats and is almost always malignant. Also, there is no evidence of health problems in cats neutered or spayed at five months of age or less. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Volunteers are needed in an effort to clean up Texas bays. Jessica Domel has more information in today's wildlife report. They snag fishing lines foul shrimpers' nets, and can kill both fish and crabs. And this month, volunteers are needed to help remove them from Texas bays. We're talking about abandoned crab traps. Each year, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department closes Texas coastal waters to crabbing with wire mesh crab traps to facilitate the annual volunteer crab trap cleanup. During this time, any crab traps left in the bays, including those that are tied to docks, are assumed to be abandoned and are considered litter under state law. That allows volunteers to go in and remove them. The effort helps clean up unsightly views and benefits fish and wildlife. Wade Harrell, Whooping Crane Recovery Coordinator for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, says it benefits the endangered whooping cranes that winter on the Texas coast. Blue crabs are a primary food source for whooping cranes, so 
we hate to see them get trapped and die in those abandoned traps. We do feel like there's a direct link to cleaning up crab traps in our bays, not only just to reduce the recreational motors running over the crab traps, but also make sure there's enough blue crabs out there for whooping cranes when they do come down in the winter. That was Wade Harrell for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Volunteers are urged to wear masks and socially distance from people who are not in their household during the cleanup. Volunteers may pick up free tarps, gloves, face coverings, and other items at their local TPWD Coastal Fisheries Field Station. Volunteers who remove traps are asked to record and submit information about the number of traps they collect and if they happen to see any diamondback terrapins. Additional details are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. It was another mixed day of trading in the cattle complex. We closed on both sides of the market for both live and feeder cattle contracts on Thursday. But the cotton market just seems determined to get to 90 cents. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, energy, grain, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. FFA Week is February 20th through the 27th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Anna Mathis from Arkansas. Because FFA and agricultural education prepare students for careers, leadership, and the ability to face what the future holds, the FFA impact is profound. Share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another mixed day of trading in the cattle complex on Thursday. We ended up closing contracts on both sides of unchanged for both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle down 80 cents, 115.32. The April up 42, 123.12. June live cattle up 40 cents, 119.52. A mixed close in feeders with March down 35, 139.15. April feeder cattle down 12, 143.37. May feeders up 2 cents, 140. 545. Cash fed cattle market seeing a few sales. Packers picking up a few cattle at 114 on a live basis. However, feedlots still holding out, asking prices at 116. And with that nearby futures contract in the 115 level, it's a question whether they'll be able to get that higher money or not. We had another special edition Thursday online fed cattle exchange auction. However, nothing happened. 487 head of Texas cattle were offered. None of those cattle sold. We did have bids in the 113 to 114 range, but again, no sales reported. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up six cents, 233.08. Select up 29 at 221.25. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway on a Thursday, they're getting ready for a sale on Friday at Beville Livestock. Rodney Butler had that sale a week ago. Go. Uh, market was active. Uh, might not have been as active as the week before, but I think it had to do with the quality of the cattle. We did have some good cattle, but not throughout the whole sale, so that has a little bit to do with your market. Good. Let's walk the pins. All right. We had 359 head of cattle, 
and 18 sheep and goats. 200, 300 pound steers, $1.53 to $1.95. Heifers, $1.12 to $1.41. 300, 400 pound steers, $1.33 to $1.75. Heifers, $1.19 to $1.80. Your 400, 500 pound steers, $1.26 to $1.68. Heifers, $1.22 to $1.41. Your 500, 600 pound steers, $1.24 to $1.45. Heifers, $1.10 to $1.31. Your 600, 700 pound steers, $1.10 to $1.36. Heifers, $1.05 to $1.35. 700 to 800 pound steers, didn't have very many of them. Uh, they brought anywhere from $1.06 to $1.20. Same on the heifers, they brought anywhere from $86 to $99. Packer cows are pretty steady. They brought anywhere from $28 to $60. Bulls brought from $36 to $85. Stocker cows brought anywhere from $0.50 cents to $0.69 cents with some bread cows dollaring out around that nine and a quarter, sir. And we didn't have any pairs. Good. Uh, how did the South Texas Herbert Association sale do? South Texas Herbert sale went very well Saturday. Uh, had a little right at 60 bulls, and they averaged a little over 3000 apiece. They I thought they sold real well. Uh, the heifers, uh, they did wasn't very much activity on the heifers. I thought the Bremer heifers sold real well. Uh, the F1s didn't. They they sold okay, but not as high as I thought they would, especially on the bread cattle and the good open heifers. Good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this next sale at Beeville. Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle anyway, call me at 361-358-1727 or call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble, and you've been listening to Beeville Livestock's Rodney Butler and I, Walk the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs closed higher. February up 47 cents, 74.02. April hogs up 2.42 at 84.25. Class 3 milk slightly higher. February milk up 14 cents, 15.63 a hundredweight. March milk up 75 at 17.03. The cotton market saw triple-digit gains. It seems determined to get to 90 cents. We had that weekly export sales report release Thursday morning. It was somewhat friendly for the market. Also, the National Cotton Council releasing its planting intention survey. They're guessing acreage this year at 11.5 million acres, down 5% from 2020. We close with March cotton up 174 points, 86.41. May up 169 at 87.87. December cotton up 124 points, 83.78. The wheat market closed slightly lower. The question out there now is what do these cold temperatures mean for the wheat crop? There is some thinking in the market that there is adequate snow cover over most of this winter wheat crop to give it adequate insulation against these cold temperatures. Nonetheless, we close with July Kansas City wheat down two cents, six nineteen and a half. July Chicago wheat down one and a quarter, six twenty-eight and a quarter. The corn market closed higher. Very friendly export sales numbers for corn once again this week. March corn up six and a half, five forty-one. September corn up three and three quarters. 474 and three quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas down a nickel, 285. March crude oil down 76 cents, 57.92 a barrel. The financial markets mix. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 36 points, 31,400. The Nasdaq up 16 at 13,989. The S&P 500 down a point at 3,909. Well, that wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to stay warm out there, and don't forget to come back next time. We'll have all the latest news in Texas agriculture right here for you. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.